Welcome back to another episode of Your Best Life with Dr. Harrison. This is episode number 13. Um, we just came off of a three, um, I guess, a, a series, um, three sessions that talking a little bit about pathway to greatness. And so we are switching gears a little bit today. And I just want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon. Don't know what time you're listening. Um, so whatever time it is. You know, I'm hoping that you had a, and starting off a great day and had an amazing weekend. I'm not sure what your last week brought you, but hopefully you were able to accomplish your goals, large and small, that you were able to finally get to that doctor's appointment that you've been putting off. Maybe you returned that phone call to your dear friend or your loved one um, and possibly really uh, setting the pace so that you can start living a more um, rounded and healthy life. Whatever you did, hopefully you're prepared to do it again this week. And so we are coming to you today to talk a little bit about work, the workplace. The workplace. Not quite sure if I talked much about the workplace and bringing joy to your workplace in previous um, podcasts or previous live feeds on our Embracing Arms Incorporated Facebook page. But this week um, has really triggered me to want to talk a little bit more. I think sometimes we um, are so grounded in our work that we forget that um, we may be doing some amazing things that people want to know about um, and that we don't um, we don't see it until someone else kind of tell us that it's amazing. Um, and so, you know, finding a platform to share those those uh, those thoughts and those ideas and those amazing talents that you may have um, is really critical for your own personal growth, but also for the growth of other people. So we're just coming down off of, you know, several months of planning this amazing annual state conference for our colleagues who are distributed all over the state of all over the state and where I I work. And um, at the conclusion of the conference, there was an evaluation that was completed. And one of the evaluators sent me an email that had um, a comment in there specifically for me. came as a surprise, but the comment was really about uh, their interest in knowing how do I do what I do (laughs) with my colleagues to keep them engaged and fired up and empowered um, that so many people are interested in being a part of my institute and they're just generally interested in how do I do it. Um, it really came as a surprise. I was very flattered, um, honored to um, be thought of in that way as a bit of a trendsetter, I guess, in our workplace. Um, but this is the one thing that I will say. There's so many things, so many components, I think, to um, really having this amazing leadership experience. Um, and I don't think one is, is, you know, a one component thing. And I don't think it all works for everyone because everyone's personalities are different. And I don't think it work um, for 
the growth of every organization because every organization is different. And so I will tell you that for this particular organization, um, it was mostly important for me to start off this role trying to genuinely get to know my colleagues. I think that was something that I always kind of thought about as I was kind of growing up in my career, um, working since I was about 12 years old. I think my first job was delivering papers and then I started working at McDonald's and then some clothing store and back to McDonald's. And, and, and I think I worked for the Salvation Army, ringing bells for the holidays. And I mean, I had all kinds of jobs and I had all kinds of leaders. I had leaders that were attentive, leaders that were disconnected, leaders that were micromanagers, leaders that were absent. Um, and then every now and again, I would get a speckle of this amazing leadership um, and it would it inspire me because then I would know that, okay, greatness does exist. I just keep running into this mess. And so I knew that when I had an opportunity to really lead, to be in a space of influence and decisions, that I would take all of the amazing experiences that I have and I would embed it in my leadership. And so I think one of the first things that um, I noticed with my leadership in terms of those who were leading me was that they never really got to know you as a person um, and understand what works best for you in terms of learning, what works best for you in terms of being led, Um, what type of workspace works best for you. I think that when we're in a leadership position, it's really critical for us to care about those things with our colleagues, know what's impacting their ability to thrive in their space, visiting their space so that you can see um, how they're working and what obstacles they may have in working in that particular space asking them questions about their experience um, in their role and what they, you know, aspire to do um, going forward five years or 10 years from now. Ask questions about the way they learn and the information they would like to receive and how do they best communicate. And also ask questions about what works best for them in terms of being led. I think that was one of the things that I did the most of my first six months in this role is asking those questions. I didn't get a chance to ask those questions to everyone, but I I tried to hit as many people as I can, understanding that I still had a job to do and I still had to manage my time well enough so that I can capture that information. But once I did, I thought... You know, I can use this information. I can take some themes from that and I can use that to kind of shape the vision around where I would like our institute to go and really share that vision with our colleagues, recognizing that the vision was designed around the voices of my 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 staff and um, giving them more opportunities to Uh, give me feedback around that vision and those goals and how it works for them. I believe that if we do not include their voices, it's harder for them to buy in. Um, We create these late adapters. (laughs) Um, And if you really want early adapters, I think it's really about what is your vision for this space and how are you including their voice in this? Um, Because if you give them ownership, 
they will take care of it and they will jump on it and they will advocate for it. And so I would say that one of the biggest, one of the, 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 the first thing that I did was was intentional about including their voices, asking questions and understanding who they are and what works for them in terms of leadership, you know, what their desires are, what's not working for them. And while you can't fix it all and you can't respond to it all, there are enough enough feedback you can get from your colleagues to help you in moving in the right direction um, for your uh, organization to thrive. So inclusion was really critical um, for for me um, in my first my first few months and going forward. The other thing is um, transparency. You know, in leadership, oftentimes we tend to not share everything with our staff and our colleagues. And that's understandable. There are some things that you just can't share. There there are personnel things that you absolutely cannot share. Um, there are budgetary things that, you know, you may not want to share. Um, there are decision making um, that will tend to be kind of like higher level strategic thinking type decision making that you may or may not want to share. But for the most part, I try not to blindside my colleagues and I try to um, be as transparent as possible with them, sharing my frustration and, and, and the things that gets me excited, um, talking to them about thinking about the future um, because I'm anticipating some major change that's coming down the pike. If there is some preliminary conversation about some major change that we know that is certain, I try to prepare my, my colleagues for that change and start having open dialogue and drilling down on that. Um, I try to keep them informed, not only um, of some major shifts in the way we do our work, but also um, keep them informed of staff changing and um, we're losing people or we're gaining people. Um, keep them informed about posting new positions and getting feedback from them about, you know, what is your desired colleague? If, if you had an opportunity to design the perfect colleague for you, what would that look like? And give me some feedback around that. Um, just being very transparent and open um, if I feel frustrated about the direction that my colleagues or my staff is going in, I address it immediately, you know, because they and, and they receive it differently because they know that I'm coming from a place of care. And that kind of takes us back to this whole conversation about radical candor. When you care, when you're when you're giving feedback on the spectrum of really, really caring and also recognizing that someone's feelings could get hurt in the process um, and staying in that kind of radical candor space where you're giving consistent feedback and, and, and you're doing it from a genuine space. People are more receptive of it. And so expressing how I feel when things are not going well, getting excited when pe- things are, are going well, um, and offering opportunities um, for them to give me feedback when I feel like it's, I need it. And in most cases, I need it all the time. How am I doing? Am I doing this good? You know, well, am I not doing so well? What do I need to change? What do I need to, um, 
add to our conversation so that you can realize some growth for yourself professionally and personally. And so I'm always asking for feedback at the same time. Everyone doesn't know how to receive and or give feedback. And so the more comfortable your colleagues feel about your ability to receive and give feedback, the more um, likely it is for them to actually Uh, follow through with giving and receiving feedback. So being transparent is really, really critical to my ability to be um, effective with my colleagues and my staff. And then empowering, empowering them, right? We talk about empowerment, but a lot of people don't really do it, right? It takes a lot of extra effort to empower, encourage people to do their absolute best work. Um, And so we need to strategically put things in place so that our staff and our team can feel like they are empowered um, to bring new ideas, to um, make some decisions um, that may not impact our budget (laughs) um, and may not impact any policy change, but there's some decisions that they should feel empowered to make um, because they are professionals, right? We hire them for a reason. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't hire colleagues, so I have to micromanage them. I hire colleagues that if given the opportunity, I would not mind following them, right? So I'm hiring them into my institute and they're going to be taking my direction and my leadership. But I also would like to hire people that if given the opportunity for them to lead, that I wouldn't have a problem. If given an opportunity where there's a situational leadership uh, going on, where they're, you know, I don't know, managing a committee to put on a conference and I am now one of their committee members, right? they will be in a situation where now they're taking on a leadership role and would I mind being in that space with them? And so empowering them to do their best work and make decisions um, about the way they do their work really leans into a healthy um, corporate culture. And so the other thing um, is innovation. That's another, you know, big thing. Oftentimes, when people think about innovation, they think about technology, right? That's the first thing they think about, innovation, technology, innovation, technology. Well, innovation doesn't always have to be aligned with technology, right? And so we have colleagues that we work with all the time, staff that we work with all the time, team members we work with all the time. They have some great ideas, great innovative approaches to doing their work. Um, And really embracing those conversations about how can we do our work better? How can we reach our customer more strategically? How can we get more buy-in in the community about the work that we do? And there are many of our colleagues who've been working in this space for time, you know, years that exceeds mine that have some valuable feedback around how they can be more innovative in their approach to doing their work Um, and seriously listening to those innovative ideas and supporting those innovative ideas and being and, and, and showing people how you support it not just sitting there listening to these ideas and not bringing anything to fruition you know or putting anything into practice sometimes you have to drill down you have to challenge things you got to push back um but in the end 
taking an innovative idea and running with it so that the rest of the colleagues know that if they have the conversation that you you as a leader will receive it, will listen, will challenge them, will ask questions so that they can think through the idea that they're putting at the, uh, bringing to the table. But literally showing the rest of the colleagues that you are willing to listen to an idea and support a colleague, a staff, or a team member in bringing those ideas, those innovative approaches to doing their work to fruition is really critical. And last but clearly not least is joy. We spend way too much time in our workplace, way too much time in our workplace every day. I spend... I would say 70% of my waking hours in my office. And if I'm going to dedicate that much time um, of my waking hours in a space with people um, that aren't my family, <laughs> that aren't my children, although I call my 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 teammates uh, family members, um, but they're not my children, they're not my blood relatives, right? So I have to be in this space and why not come to this space come prepared to bring joy and to receive joy in that space. So I, I start my day off the, exactly the way I want it to end with joy, with laughter, with conversations, getting to know individuals. Now, does joy happen in that space every single day? Maybe not because everyone comes to work with different baggages, right? We have all kinds of baggage that we we drag with us wherever we go into relationships, into marriages, into the workspace, into the grocery store, which is why you run into people at the grocery store with attitudes and bumping your cart and just rude, right? Because they're carrying their baggage with them wherever they go. But in the workplace, you know, we should feel that it's okay to lay the baggage aside for a minute and just have a space of joy. And so I want my, I, w- I want to be intentional about my work hours. I want to smile. I want to laugh. I want to poke fun at myself. And I want to be free to challenge other people and hold them accountable and have fun in the process. I think people get so serious and so stone-faced that they're one, unapproachable, and two, not very pleasant to work with. And so that is um, my desired approach to bringing joy in the workplace, to smile, to find things to laugh about. You know, every now and again, I'll make a dish and I'll bring it to work and have people enjoy the dish. That's another way for them to get to know me because now they know that I can cook, right? Um, for Black History Month, you know, I... I did a little uh, thing at our job that really kind of recognized that um, that moment and um, these moments and these experiences of African-American culture. And um, I shared the dish, an authentic African dish. And I talked about the country that the dish originates from and really kind of respected that 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 celebration. And um, knowing that I was the minority in this space, that no one else would have taken, you know, the lead in doing that. So why not do it? And so as a result, people learned about this um, country in the northern part of Africa. They learned about this dish. Um and they learned a little bit more about me. So bringing joy to the workplace was really critical for me. 
So I, I would say that if, if, if anyone ever asked me again, <laughs> how do I do it? How do I keep people motivated? Um, and how do I build the kind of institute that I've built so far? And I've only been in this space for a year. I would say those are the things that I, I've done. I make sure that there's always joy. I always intentionally want to bring joy. And and it could it could be anything, you know. Some people get you you, you think too deep, you know. It could be anything. One of the things that we do um, when we have our institute time is their name badges have a cartoon character on it that represents who they believe their kind of alter ego is. And so it's a fun activity and it's another opportunity for people to kind of get to know them. And so each and every time we get together, I have their name badges printed. It has their cartoon character on it and people kind of get an idea. Oh, wow. So you're Homer Simpson. Okay. So this is, this is what I remember about Homer Simpson. Okay. So now I know how to deal with that person. Um, that's one thing that I did in my early stage of um, taking over this institute. Another thing is just asking them, what kind of music motivates you to get to do your best work? Um, and they shared that information. And I did a compilation of those songs. I think there was like 40 songs on one, you know, um, thumb drive. And so whenever we're together during our break times, I'll just play the music and let it run. Because I know without a doubt that this music represents joy and empowerment and, you know, allows them to do their best work. And so little things like that stretches, recognizing people for their birthday, sending them happy birthday notes and, you know, being public with it and letting letting everyone else know that it's their birthday. Or if you find out that they receive an award for doing something, you know, letting everyone else know that that's happening, you know, too. Um, little things like that brings joy. So again, joy, empowering your colleagues to, to, to do great work, to um, continue to self-develop, um, being inclusive, making sure that you include their voices, um, that you don't make assumptions about who they are and what their capacity you know, is just because of their age or their gender or their race, um, and just really being, um, you know, giving them space to be included in the process and in the decision making, being transparent and letting them know things um, that's bothering you about their work or that's, you know, possibly impacting your ability to do great work, just being open and transparent. Um, And then um, innovation, um, really allowing for your colleagues to have an opportunity to share their their creative ideas um, and actually having you um, helping them to bring those ideas to fruition. So I would say those are my professional core values, joy, empowerment, inclusion, transparency, and innovation. Um, they're not um, perfect and they are not always the only thing that you need in order to build a strong team. There may be some other things that you want to uh, consider. But for me, this works um, for me. And just being consistent, being consistent, being approachable, being available. So until we meet again um, next week, I encourage you to continue doing your absolute best work. Live your absolute best life. Go into the community and embrace someone because they are waiting for you. Have an amazing week.